You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So we're going to continue talking about peace this morning. And and I I guess this is one of those where I feel a little... And I say this kind of thing, and then everybody thinks I'm all upset about something. I'm not. I just, we talk about this subject so much, and at least it's sprinkled into what we talk about. We talk about the peace of God a lot. But as I've been in this again, it's just been, I just recognize how essential the peace of God, what it is in our life. It's not just something to make us more calm and kind of go through things better. It's it's not, we have, we have so many, you know, we come to this time of year. For some reason, we relegate the idea of peace to Christmas. And we sing about it. And we, uh, in fact, let me just read you a list of scriptures as we get into this. And, and you recognize all of these. You can write down the references if you want to. But I was just thinking about how much, um, when we think about Jesus coming and who he is and the whole Christmas story, you know, of that first advent, there's a lot said about peace. And like in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, when the angels came and announced his birth, they talked about peace. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so often when we think about peace or the peace of God or Jesus coming and bringing peace, our brains go to a lack of war on earth. And certainly we'll get there once Jesus is ruling, we'll get to that place. But that's not really what this is about. We can't have real peace, real harmony between individuals without first having peace that comes from God, that's based on the fact that we are reconciled to him, that's based on what Jesus did. It's impossible. We can have it for a little while, but when we have human beings together that are disconnected from God, there will be strife and anger and bitterness and all of that. And we just need to realize this peace is something that is promised to us. It's a part of our covenant and and this verse said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That means good will from God toward men, not just, okay, it's Christmas time. We're going to be nice to each other for a couple of weeks here. You know, we're, we're going to be really nice through Christmas. We're going to smile at each other. We're going to put down our rocks for a few minutes. Then we're back at it. That's not what this is about. And, and while certainly it has that result and that application, and even in the Greek language, this word, it, it brings that. It brings the fact that we can have peaceful relationships with one another in a supernatural way, even where we disagree, but it's coming from first having this place of reconciliation with God in our lives, being absolutely founded on that reconciliation. So let me just read through a few more of these. Because I want you to understand this morning, we live in a covenant of peace with God. It is one of the primary components. I was going to say peace is one of the big pieces, but then we have to start spelling things. So uh, it is one of the primary elements and components of our relationship with God is this peace. So in Isaiah 52, verse 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good tidings. It means the gospel, who brings tidings from God, good tidings, who publishes peace. 
What kind of peace? Peace with God. That God himself is going to deal with the separation of God and man through Christ and create a place of peace in which we stand. We stand in a peaceful relationship with God. Whether we always feel it or not, it's where we live. It is part of the grace of God. So who publishes peace, who brings good tidings of good. I love that. Who brings good tidings of good who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. In Isaiah chapter 54, verses 8 through 10, he's talking here about, he's talking about when the Messiah would come. So, and I'll just say this quickly. Uh, so often prophecy has an immediate fulfillment. This one is to Israel concerning their coming out of captivity for the, the immediate prophecy. But so often then that prophecy will have multiple fulfillments. It will have a fulfillment for Israel then. It'll have a fulfillment certainly fulfilled completely in Jesus Christ. It has an application, another fulfillment application to us in our lives. And here's what it says. God speaking here says, with a little wrath, (laughs) I hid my face from you for a moment. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? Father, Father, Why have you forsaken me? Remember that? There was a moment. Why did he have to experience that? How could the Son, (laughs) Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are three, but they are completely one. First of all, we don't get that with our brains. We have to take that by faith to understand the three-in-one component of God is uh, is a little too much for our brains most of the time. We just have to accept it. Then... Here's this moment in time where the sacrifice, what would uh, the result, what would our punishment, what would the result of us staying separate from God be? What is eternal death? It is separation from God. What did Jesus do at the cross? He took what belonged to us as our substitute. He became our substitute in sin, in spiritual death, in uh in poverty, in, in sickness, all of these things, he took upon himself at the cross. So there's this moment where the father has to, for us, has to look away from the son, has to look away. And that's what this prophecy is about. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you. And we just immediately realize, and we are in him. We are in him. So what he has and what he experiences, we have and we experience. So we experience everlasting kindness because he took that, what God calls a moment of wrath. All right, we experience his mercy. We experience everlasting kindness. And it goes on, it says, for this is like, again, this is God speaking of the judgment that would come upon in where we're talking about it upon Jesus for our sakes. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn, the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. So have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills shall be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. So when we look at this whole thing, Jesus became our substitute. 
as he was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead in, in him. As we choose him, as we choose Jesus Christ for our Lord and Savior, we enter into this incredible relationship with him and we enter into his covenant of peace with the Father. So is there any time, is there any time where the Father and Son are fighting with one another? Is there any time where the Father thinks less of the Son, where the Father is disappointed in the Son, where the Father is, is uh, now saying, well, I, I don't really, this is, this is my Son with whom I am not well pleased. It never happens. And we are in Him. That is the covenant of peace in which we live. Your relationship with God, we defined peace, and this is just a definition of the the word used in the New Testament, it is an inward and outward, I should go look at it, it is an inward and outward tranquility that is based on two things are given to us, reconciliation, right relationship with God, and a sense of divine favor. Reconciliation that came through Jesus Christ. We have been reconciled. The the relationship that was torn between mankind and God has been made right. We enter it through making Jesus the Lord of our life. You can choose not to get into that covenant. You can choose to reject Jesus as Savior and stay out of the covenant. All right, but we have chosen to receive him and we've entered into his reconciliation. What I want you to see about this is that This is your covenant. We have peace with God, and that becomes a peace that passes all understanding in us so that we can go through the stuff of life, the challenges, the negative things, the failures, the disappointments, the garbage that we have to deal with on this planet. We can go through that, and I'm not saying it won't hurt. I'm not saying... You won't have the opportunity to get into turmoil or worry or anxiety, but the reason the Bible can tell us not to do that is because there is something greater on the inside than anything that can challenge you from the outside. There is something greater contained in the reconciliation and the the salvation that we have than anything on the outside that can come against us. It's just that we've got to learn how to recognize that peace, how to maintain that peace, how to walk in that peace. It's there. It's established. Just like everything else Jesus provided, it's there. It's ours. But we don't always appropriate it. We don't always take hold of it. We don't always live in it. That's part of growing up in God, is learning how to when we start going a different direction, when we start doubting our future, when we start doubting God's promises in any area, we learn how to come back to the word of God and get reestablished in confidence in that word. It's the same with peace. But the point is, it is ours. We can live in this tremendous peace. One more, Isaiah 9, 6, you know this one. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Peace is an established 
element in the covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. It is so important. And again, I said to you last week, doesn't matter what subject we're talking about, when we're talking about the promises of God and the things that he's provided for us, it's not just about us, and we can't let it be just about us. This world needs peace. Yeah, we do need to be able to cease from war. War is horrible. But I don't like us to just relegate it over, the, you know, oh, I'm for world peace. Yeah, so is Miss America. We, we get it, you know. But the thing is, this, the world around you, your home, your neighborhood, this community, this valley, our state, our nation, people need peace. It's always been true. But I think it's more true than any time I've ever seen in my lifetime. We need bitterness defeated. We need strife defeated. We need, you know, this this attitude that I can just slander people, you know, this agitation, this fear. This fear about about everything, about the future. Being used as a weapon to defi- divide people, the peace of God will not give in to that. The peace of God will let you walk into a place and release peace to people who need it. And they and they don't have to deserve it. We don't deserve it. We have it because Jesus deserves it. Okay? Everything we get from God, we have because Jesus deserves it. It's never based on our behavior. It's never you don't have to be perfect to receive the peace of God or anything else. Thank God, because none of us are. Does that make sense to you? All right. So I just want to touch on these real quick, just real quick. These are This is from last week. Some of you weren't here last week. Um, so we talked about the fact that, you know, Jesus said in John 16, 33, that he's actually bequeathing peace to us. It is given to us uh, in, in his death. It is willed to us. It is God's will for us, and it is willed to us. Again, it, it belongs to us. And we talked through a number of verses and, uh, you know, I have that definition up there for you again. Inward peace is inward and outward tranquility that arises from reconciliation with God and a sense of divine favor. If your heart is set on the reconciliation that you have with God and that sense of divine favor, if you let that melt your heart and dominate your thinking, you will walk in the peace of God because it belongs to you. But that's where it comes from. It, it does not come just out of better circumstances. That's not the kind of peace we're talking about. There's probably an emotional peace that comes that way, but this is bigger than that, all right? It comes, it is, it is something God gives us. It is something that comes as a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that comes to us and within us and rises out of reconciliation. So if you're struggling over and over and over with the idea that you're unworthy before God. Just use that. You're struggling with shame. You're struggling with with your past, your behavior, your current behavior, whatever it might be. If you allow that to influence or set the agenda between you and God so that you only think God has favor on you when you've done really well, you're not going to be in peace very often. Peace, this peace we're talking about arises 
out of knowing that, no, I am reconciled to God. This is just, I mean, I still, I've been, I've been thinking on this for 40 years and it still gets on me. When I sin, I am still in right relationship with God. He may not be thrilled with my behavior because it's going to cause bad things for me, but it doesn't change what Jesus did at the cross. Even when I'm in the midst of rebelling against God, it doesn't change what Jesus did at the cross. I'm not saying live in rebellion against God. Your life is not going to go well that way. I'm saying we need to be established in the term that the Bible calls righteousness. It's right relationship with God, and it's not based on us. Thank God. It's based on him. So I can always come back to reconciliation. I can always remember that I've been reconciled. And you know what that does? It melts my heart. It leads me to repentance. It leads me when necessary. It leads me to repentance. It leads me to change. It leads me to gratitude, to thank God that he's on my side in this, that he has done the work in Jesus. Do you hear that? You okay with that? All right. So um, we looked at Psalm uh, 37 verses 4 through 8. You need to go back and get last week's message because I, I don't really have time to go through this. But we did look at a couple of terms. Talks to us there about committing our way to the Lord. All right. And that means we're making a binding decision to follow God's path, not just Boyd kind of talked about this. It's not just about the destination, it's about how we get to the destination. It's about daily decisions. All right. And the scripture said there, commit your way to the Lord. So we're making a decision, a no turning back decision that God, I will follow with you. I will follow your way. And doing that brings us into a whole, it brings us into this place where God starts to redevelop, reauthor the, uh, the desires of our heart and bring those to pass, okay? Delight yourself in him. Commit your way to him, all right? Talks to us about, I thought this one was so important, be still and rest in the Lord. This is an avenue to living in peace. Be still and rest in the Lord. That term be still literally means refrain from speech. It means be quiet. It means close your mouth. It means don't respond. It means uh, take your fingers off the keyboard. It means don't, don't reply, don't react, don't just let everything that comes along, what somebody says, what happens, you just respond and react and attack. If you live like that, you will never walk in the peace that's been given to you. So be still and rest in the Lord. Tells us, fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger. That word cease means leave it behind. It was the picture of opening the hand and letting it drop. It really goes along with shutting the mouth. Let it drop. Let it go. Move on. God has something better for you. This this whole psalm, I encourage you to go back and spend time at it. It's about how to live when negative things are happening around you and people are bringing wicked devices to pass. They're happening. They're, they, it feels like to us, People are getting away with all this stuff. And yet we have to understand in eternity, nobody gets away with anything, including the devil. Nobody gets away with anything. It will all be sorted out. It will all be sorted out, every bit of it. All right, let's jump over to Philippians chapter 4. We've really only got a few minutes left here. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to begin this morning again in verse 6. I know we've looked at these verses quite a bit, but they're so powerful and 
hopefully we'll we'll get down through verse 8 this morning. Philippians chapter 4, Paul takes this time to give us so much practical instruction. He says here, do not be anxious or worried about anything. Man, that is something... God never gives us an instruction as a challenge. We, we, I don't know where we got this stupid theology that when God says something, well, it's a challenge. I better go out and make that happen. I better, I better tough it out and learn how to not be angry, not be worried. Don't be anxious. I just won't be anxious about anything. Yeah, good. Try it in your flesh. It ain't going to work. Okay, how many of you have tried this in your flesh? Just a couple. Liars. How many of you had great success with that? None. You did? Oh, you did? Okay, little success. All right, I can, I can deal with that. We can have a little success. That's a good point. But God is saying to us, we don't have to be. All right? We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be worried. But in everything, in every circumstance and situation, do this. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. So our focus... Thanksgiving is going to bookend and saturate all of our prayers because we are focusing more on what he has done and what we are grateful for and what we do have than what we don't have. And then in that context, we're bringing our requests to God. All right. He says in that place, the peace of God, that peace, which notice this, it reassures the heart. Okay. It reassures the heart. That that terminology right there means it will restore confidence in his promise and in your final outcome. The peace of God will restore confidence in his promise. And all this is happening in in prayer, right? Restore confidence in his promise and in your final outcome. So the peace of God, that peace, peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding. That's what we're saying. It just doesn't make sense to my brain. You know what? We need to learn to live in things that don't make sense to our brain. We need to, if we're going to experience the miraculous, we're going to experience transformation. There's so many times and so many places where our brain is going to have to catch up. We've, we've really made a mistake in letting the brain run things. Brains are important. None of us really want to be without the brain, Okay. Uh, but we we need to we need to transition now into letting the spirit reign, and the mind has the role in that of setting itself on Him and setting itself on the things of God. So this peace it passes understanding. We don't get it, and yet we have it. That's okay. Let it rule. We're going to see that in just a minute. It says that that peace which stands guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, the peace of God will protect our hearts and our minds when they're under attack. You've got to let the peace of God rise up in you and you've got to stand in it and glorify God and say, no, I I don't get it. I don't understand how this is going to work out, but you know what? I'm in this place. I've let this, I've put this up to the Lord. I have peace in my heart and I'm staying there. That doesn't mean inactivity. It doesn't mean laying on the couch. It doesn't mean we don't address things. It doesn't mean any of those things. Look at what Jesus did. Do you, do you picture in your mind that Jesus, I believe when Jesus was overturning tables in the temple, he was still moving in the peace of God. 
he had the peace of God on the inside. He was established in his relationship with God. He acted out from that. All right, so it doesn't mean we don't do anything. Doesn't mean we don't feel anything. Doesn't mean we're zombies. Doesn't mean any of that. It means that we have decided that we will walk and live. We will let that peace rule. Go over to Colossians chapter 3. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you've been here any length of time, you've heard me preach on it before. Too bad. You're going to hear it again today. Colossians 3.15. If you don't have an amplified version on your phone or whatever, look up here. Uh, it just nails it in this one. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. Here's the instruction. Let and let... Think about that. Let the peace of God, okay? I have to allow, I have to give permission, I have to give authority for the peace of God to rule and reign in my heart. I have to do that. I can't just say, God, make me walk in peace. You know, he doesn't. He just decided to give us some autonomy in lots of areas, lots of freedom. And he says, let. That tells me that in, in some of our choices, we are restraining the peace of God. We're not letting it rule. I don't want to be peaceful. I want to be ticked off. I want to retaliate. I want to be hurt. I want to, I want to go down this path. The peace of God is saying, no, you're going to, or you're going to walk away from me. You know, I, I'm, I'm God's peace. I'm on the, going to be on the same track. If you want to go over there, you can, but then you're not letting the peace of God rule and reign your heart. So here in the Amplified, it says, let the peace, that's our responsibility, soul harmony, which comes from Christ. It's not our responsibility to make it. It's just our responsibility to let it rule, okay? Let the peace which comes from Christ rule Act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding with finality all the questions that arise in your minds. All right, let's stop there for a second. So that term, I had to look up the term umpire. I mean, I know what it is, but I I looked it up yesterday just because I kind of wanted to work with the definition a little bit. I mean, I know what an umpire does, sort of, uh, but... You know, it is, it, it, it's defined as one having authority. This relates to the word let. You give authority in your own heart to the peace of God or to lies or to agitation or to anger or whatever it might be. You, we, I, you give that authority. We give the right, we choose who's going to reign and rule in my heart, all right? Am I going to let this circumstance, am I going to let this person driving 35 miles an hour in a 55? We just had this discussion this morning. Both of us have this same weakness. Uh, Am I going to let that person doing what they're doing steal my peace and then me be agitated and angry and wrong and out of God's place in that? Am I going to let that situation, in the scope of eternity, how important is this, you know? But, but so being an umpire, it means one having authority to decide finally, to make a final decision over a controversy 
or a question between two opposing parties. And here's the thing, the carnal part of our mind, the Bible tells us, lives in opposition to God. The, the, the stuff around us and the stuff that comes into our life, it lives in opposition to the peace of God. The peace of God is ours, but man, we can let it get stolen. We can, we can just walk away from it. So, so back to the verse, he's saying, let the peace of God rule as an umpire. Let the peace of God say, no, that thought, that action, that whole train of thinking, that decision. I'm telling you, I struggle with this sometimes. I've, I've gotten way better at it over the years. It's like, do not just bang out an email and send it off with all your thoughts and emotions that are not God's thoughts and emotions. I'm not talking about being ingenuine. I'm talking about the fact that those should not be my thoughts and emotions and I need to discipline. I need to get them turned around. I need to get God's view of the situation. Then I can respond to it. And I can respond to it in a godly way and it'll have some life and some power. So he's saying, let that peace, and this is what peace will do. It will act as an umpire. You come into things, and here's what this means in practical terms. We need, I think this is true of every one of us, we've got to learn first how to recognize the peace of God. It supersedes my thoughts, my emotions. I, even when I'm following the will of God, and I always use the example of us, you know, the two years between when we were called to come here and when we actually came here, I was on not a terrible roller coaster, but there were definitely nights where I would wake up with the thought, what are you thinking? You're leaving this great ministry, secure position in this great ministry, all the stuff that God's been doing through you here, and you're going to go there not knowing anybody? That's nuts. Well, I knew because that voice sounded pretty reasonable to me. Sounded like they had a good point. But I had to sort through that, and I could get in real fear about it. I had to sort through that, get down to the bottom in here, where there was a steady peace that never changed, that what I called you to do is what you're supposed to do. And I had to learn to walk in that and to silence that voice with this voice and walk in that peace. And it comes in all kinds of areas of our life. The peace of God will settle with finality. It's an umpire. What it says goes. All the questions that arise in your mind. So this is peace at work in the heart. And we have to decide to let it settle with finality. The questions that arise in your mind. It doesn't mean no questions are going to arise in your mind. They are going to arise in your mind. And there are going to be voices in your life if you don't shut them off you don't decide who you're going to listen to or you're not, there are going to be plenty of people to agree with the fearful voices. There are going to be plenty of people, if you're going to follow the will of God in your life, there are going to be plenty of people to tell you you're nuts, to tell you you're a religious fanatic, to tell you that's just extreme, to think that God's going to do that, to think that God still works this way. There are going to be plenty of those voices in your life, and you're going to have to learn, number one, to let the peace of God rule and reign over those and act as an umpire and say, you don't have to, you don't all Sometimes you do have to cut the person out of your life, but you don't always have to cut the person out of your life. You just have to put up the shield of faith against them and not take the words that they're speaking. 
not let that distract you or determine a different direction for you. This, the peace of God will do that. It will rise up and it's steady. It's steady. It's not just this constant back and forth emotion that we get in in our minds and it will settle finally if you let it, all the questions that arise. And when, when that, as we, as we got into that, in that particular thing, I've told you before, we were offered a church in Durango at, at a point during that. Well, we already knew. No, God called us to Gunnison. We aren't there yet. And here's this great offer. That's not what God has because we had a peace about this. There, there, I don't know how better to describe this to you. I think you know what I'm talking about. There can be temptations that come to do other things. There can be other things that come that look really good. They look like they're going to take you to the path, but God said, do it this way. And so you stay committed to that path. You don't get into fret and worry about it. You don't, you don't go down all these different things. And the only way that I know to do that is to settle into what God has said and do not keep arguing or trying to justify or or try to go out and see if you can get somebody that'll agree with what you really want to do, even though you know God said this, you can always find those people. You can find people all day long to take you off track from the will of God. Don't do it. If you stick with the peace of God, it will always lead you. I think this is one of the primary ways that God leads us. People are always asking, you know, how do I know the leading of the Lord. You, certainly we hear, have his inward voice. We have his inward witness. We have the word of God, first of all, to follow, just do what he says, you know. We have all those things, but the peace of God in your heart, if you can just learn to, number one, recognize it. Recognize what it is. And here, I know I'm going over time. I don't care. The, um, the flesh wants to lead you a different direction, right? Well, when you give in to the flesh, it will put up a temporary satisfaction. Oh, good, you let me do. It's a three-year-old. Your flesh is a three-year-old. Oh, good, you let me do what I wanted to do, even though it's totally unhealthy for the rest of my life. You gave me all the cookies I wanted. I'm really happy. There, we've got to be able to discern, and the Holy Spirit will do this with us, discern that's not the peace of God. The peace of God is steady. And it's connected to his word. It's connected to what he's spoken to you. And, and it'll reside down. I don't know how to say it. It resides down in here. And sometimes I have to sort through the emotions. It's like I have to dig those out of the way, like digging for something in the closet. And I get down and, and I have to do this, you know, in prayer. And I have to come down. It's like, no, that piece is still there. That piece is still there. That's God. So we have to learn to discern his peace. And then we have to learn to let his peace rule. And then, and I'll, I'll cut this off here, but then it's so important. And I think this is just a process. You can't get this in one day. You can't get this just from, oh, that's a good message. You got to practice this. And, and so there comes this place where we have to learn through a day, say, that, that we are... Uh, if I start to lose this peace, I'm recognizing his peace. Okay, I'm in my prayer time in the morning. I've got the peace of God. Ten minutes later, something happens. I begin to lose the peace of God. We need to recognize that moment. We need, Or maybe you get down the road a few hours and you suddenly realize, whoa, I haven't been in the peace of God for quite a while. 
it's a practical discipline to go back and figure out where did I lose it? What set me off? What what agitated me? What made me disappointed, depressed? What worried me? Whatever it is, where did that come? And it'll be some thought. It'll be some event that came with a thought. And I can go back to that point and I can pray over that point and I can make it subservient to the peace of God. That is just a discipline. Paul says, and I'm not going back there, I won't even look at my notes. But down in verse 9 in Philippians 4, he says, the things that you've learned and seen in us and heard from us, practice them. Practice them. In verse 8, he gives us a whole list of things to set our minds on. And none of them exist in the None of them exist on Facebook, okay? You know, what's true, what lines up with God's word, what's honorable, what's lovely, what's beautiful. None of them exist on social media. So, uh, and, not, and I don't think any of them exist on television. But it's, so it's like, he's saying, set your minds on these things. Set your minds on these things. Think about them constantly and the God of peace will be with you. And then he goes into verse nine and he says, the things that you've seen in us and heard from us, heard us teach, practice them. I just think that's so important. We need to practice this stuff. We go, and you're going to make mistakes. You're going to blow it. I I still do, and I'm I'm the you know I'm the measure, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, thank God, no. But you know, it's like practice. We practice. We keep working at it. We keep turning back to God, and we grow. We grow in them. But know that it's available. Know that you can live with this peace of God. Know that you can be led by it. That it can guard your heart. That it can reassure your heart. Know that it's yours and appropriate it by faith. Did you get anything out of this? All right, let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you this morning, Lord, for all that you've delivered to us, first of all, including the peace of God. Thank you for the incredible package that our salvation is. And Lord, I pray that, Father, as we go forward, we would be people who walk in the powerful, life-giving peace of God, that we learn how to let it rule in our hearts, that we, Father, are able to be established in it and release it in the places we go. Lord, and I know many times people don't even know what's going on. It's just, wow, it's a good day at work when I remember this, and it's not a good day when I don't remember this. But other people around us benefit from us walking in the peace of God. I thank you for that. I thank you for that. And Father, I just pray that the words that I've spoken that you would sort it out and the words that you've spoken to each of us in our hearts where you, Holy Spirit, have brought revelation. Lord, let those words go deep into our hearts and take root and produce tremendous fruit. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand up and get ready to leave this morning. Y'all still awake? Good. A couple of yawns, not too bad. Doing pretty good. I figure if any, never mind, I'm not going to say that. All right, somebody will come. Anyway, uh, let's just move on. We're going to say on the count of three, Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. And just take everything that God gave you today and go out into that community and be his church. Okay, one, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.